Well, you know, last week I ministered on intercession, not really knowing where I was going this week until I got earlier, just early in the week, and we took a few days, it was this week, right? We took, it seems like it's all been a blur. We were away a couple of days this week. Between the wind and the rain and everything else, it's kind of hard to know what, where we were. But as I began to think more and more about the message on intercession, you know, and we looked at, at intercession, and, you know, we looked at some, just a few examples. There were, by, by no means was it, was it completely you know, uh, a complete list of all the types of intercession. But we saw that we can intercede for the innocent, right? We also saw that we can intercede for the not-so-innocent, the lost. We saw that we can intercede for our nation. And we saw that we can intercede for God's plan to take place in the earth. But, you know, you can intercede or pray for yourself. You know, there are many, you know, and I was talking to somebody, we were talking about Hannah, you know, and Hannah wept at the altar praying because she wanted a son that was all about what her desire was and God answered that prayer and so so many times you know we think about I think a lot about prayer where we're praying church you know and the word of the Lord says that my house should be called a house of prayer right not of sermons not of songs but a house of prayer but if we look at by the time we're through it's going to be at least a four-week series I think four weeks will do it Uh, I think we're going to see how all of that is kind of incorporated worship is a part of prayer even the word is very important in prayer. So it's very, and so I, I got to thinking about, you know, why is it that we still, uh, and I mean, all over the world, the, the least important activity attended in the word is prayer. Let me rephrase that. Prayer is the most important thing, but it's the least uh, in, attended in church services. And even in Christians' lives, I, I had read years ago that the average Christian prays less than four minutes a day. I just read this morning that one said less than a minute a day. I hope that's not true. And, uh, and so, uh, but less than four minutes a day, that's just on polls that they have taken. So assess yourself, where am I in my prayer life? How much time do I spend in prayer? You know, and there's one thing, you know, and we think about what is prayer. Prayer is talking to God, right? And, and I talk to my husband a lot. We're on the phone all the time. We, if you've ever been around us, you know we're on the phone, right, Becky? We're on the phone. <laughs> yes. Becky says we, get, we, we go away on a trip, and she says, I wonder how many minutes before Terry calls you. And I love that. I love that because I love talking with him. But there's times when we just have to get by ourselves and also have conversation. You know, just, just that one-on-one, you know. And so, and I think that's what God wants us to do. I, I'm sure we all probably all through the day we're speaking to the Lord. You know, we're talking to God, and we're, you know, we're just always praying. Last night, I, uh, I felt, and yesterday, well, actually in the early evening last night, I felt very impressed to pray for my granddaughters, especially the two that are away at school. And then at 2.30 this morning, we get a text from one of them, not about her, but about a friend that's having a crisis that she needs some help with. She said, I'll bring her to, uh, she's in Wilmington, she said, I'll bring her to Concord if you'll talk to her today. And I said, well, well you know, God created Zoom. So let's use Zoom. <laughs> that might work. If you know what that is, I can talk on the computer. I don't want her driving eight hours in, in a day. But anyway, but, you know, we need to be, I'm thankful for the time that this, just that God will put onto our hearts to pray for our loved ones, aren't you? And I know you all can raise your hands as well. But I believe in a culture, in our culture we live in, we've drifted away from the fundamentals of our faith. Does anybody agree with that? We have drifted away from the fundamentals of our faith. You know, we've been talking for a long time about how do we do church. Let's go back to the way, you know, church was first done, not necessarily in, in method, but in principle. And, and you know, we were at a meeting yesterday, and the speaker, this surprised me because I never really looked at this before like this, but he said the meaning of radical is going to the root of origin. 
So I looked it up, and he's exactly right. That's what it means. Going to the root of origin or going to the fundamental basis of something. And so I was thinking when I heard him say that, I thought, well, that's the way it is with everything in the church. You know, we've become so accustomed to do... I love what Dan said. I just keep repeating this all the time. A couple uh, Saturday nights ago, he said, the church has been more interested in being cool than they have in being holy. And that's true. So we've been so cool. So for us to get back to the fundamental of holiness, it's going to be radical, right? It's going to look radical to the world. Yeah, it is. And, and so I believe that what the Lord has impressed in my heart to do is get back to the fundamentals of prayer. Let me tell you, prayer is the most important thing we can do as a believer. It's the most important thing we can do as a believer. And there's no calling from God that does not include prayer. No calling. And there's no work of ministry that does not include prayer. And the devil doesn't care how much we work, how talented you are, how well you sing if you don't pray. He could care less. Because you're of no danger to him or to his kingdom. You know, so you can be the greatest teacher, singer, evangelist, prophet in the whole world. If you're not praying, you might have all the gifts, but what value is it? It's not going to be empowered with the presence of God. And so as I said, you know, we, I just saw, well, I'm not going there. Prayer is talking with God, and, you know, there's different ways that we can talk to God. I might go there another week, but not now. Uh, different ways we can talk to God, and we talk to him about different things. So it's not just intercessions, only one type of prayer. Intercession is one type of prayer. It can come in many forms, but, you know, prayer, too, is just asking God. Even when you're interceding, you're just asking God. And, and it's, I believe it's the main vehicle, the main vehicle of receiving from God is through prayer. Anybody agree? So let's just say the Bible tells us about prayer and asking. It tells us in Matthew 7, 7. Now, Jesus said this, so that means it's pretty powerful, right? Must have some truth to it. Jesus said, this is, I believe all of these are out of the NLT. Keep on asking, and you will receive what you ask for. You went through a spell there with some of the doctrines of the faith that said, if you ask one time, if you don't get it, if you ask again, you're out of faith. Well, that's not biblical. Jesus says, you keep on asking. You keep on asking. You keep on knocking. You keep on seeking. He says, you're going to get what you have. So we, we, that's why it's important to know what your word says and don't just believe what somebody says on TV. After they ask you for a donation, right? They'll also say, the Lord told me to tell you to send me this money in the next 30 minutes. You're going to have a special miracle. Well, that's the only miracle you're going to have is that money out of your checking account, right? James 4.2 says we don't have because we don't ask. We don't have because we don't ask. You ever had your kids come to you and you knew they had a need but they wouldn't ask you? Yeah. How, How does that make you feel? Kind of, you know, think, well, don't you understand our relationship? We don't have because we don't ask. Uh, and, and James 1, 5, and 6 says, If you need wisdom, ask of God. Ask our generous God, and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. Now, how many need wisdom? Everybody should raise their hand. Just to live life, you need wisdom. I saw a little thing on, on Facebook. It said, do you need the Holy Ghost to go to heaven? They said, you need the Holy Ghost to go to Walmart. And I believe that's true, right? That's true. Well, you need wisdom just to live life. You need wisdom to know what the next steps are to take. You know, to know where to get, where to go to school, where to where to what business, where who to marry. You need wisdom. We need wisdom on all this. We need wisdom on just the decisions for today and tomorrow. So, if anybody lacks wisdom, and that's all of us, that's all of us. Read uh, Proverbs eight and nine if you if you need to know about wisdom. That's powerful. 
John 15, 7 says, if you remain in me. Now, there's that big if word. If you remain in me, what does that mean? If, you, if you're living in me, if the, my words are in you, if you're obedient, if you're living in obedience, he said, and my words remain in you, you can ask for anything you want. Now, see, we just the reason I had us to say what we said about our Bible is we have to decide if we're going to believe this or not. Well, I don't know about that, God. That sounds pretty far out there. We either believe it or we don't believe it, right? Well, I know so-and-so asked for something and they didn't get it. Well, were they remaining in him? Or were they living a lifestyle that was inconsistent with what the Word of God has to say? Right? Amen? (laughs) We live in a culture where everything goes, right? We live in a culture where everything goes. And the sad thing is, some of, some of you young people have lived in it so long, you don't know anything else. You only know this culture. And I'm, 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 like I said, I'm embarrassed about what we left you. So we're trying to clean up our act, right? Okay, 1 John 5, 14 and 15. This is a biggie. And this is the confidence that we have toward him. If we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. See, when we ask today for God to be the miracle-working God, we were asking according to his will. It is his will that he heals. Psalm 103.3 says that I am the Lord God who heals all of your diseases, right? Whether that's emotional, physical, financial, spiritual, relational, I'm the Lord God who heals all of your diseases, just like I heal all of your sins. And then he said... If we ask anything according to this will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know we have the request that we have asked of him. Right? What a Do we believe this or not? Yes. Right. So we have to ask ourselves, number one, are we remaining in him and him, him and us? Are we obedient to the word? And do we, do we know what his will is? So many people just don't know what the will of God is. Because they saw Aunt Sally die of cancer. Well, God must not want to heal everybody. God wants to heal everyone. We can't base our faith on Aunt Sally. We base it on the... We see, we're not moved by what we see, right? But we're moved by what we believe. And some of you might say, Well, I don't ask because the Bible says that God knows what you need before you ask. And it does say that. Jesus said that. But look in the context in which he said it. He was just talking to the disciples after he said, don't be blabbing around like the Gentiles, constantly repeating all these phrases. He said, God knows what you need. Then he says, but pray like this. And then we're going to get, talk about that more. Jer- I don't have these on the slide, but Jeremiah 33, 3 says, ask me and I will tell you remarkable secrets you do not know about things that are to come. I've told you this is how I made it through college. Because I was working full time <laughs> and I was married, two children, trying to finish up everything I was doing. And I said, God, would you show me what's on that physics exam? And you know what? He did. First time I didn't believe him. Really. I said, we didn't cover that in class. I'm sure it won't be on there. There it was, question number one. And I said, I'll never do that again because we had four questions. You know, when you miss one, that's a 75, right? So the next time I said, God, would you show me what's going to be on the physics exam? And he showed me. And I'm telling you, I had the highest average in the class when we left out of there. And they thought I was so smart and it wasn't me. I cheated. (laughs) God showed me a copy of the test, (laughs) right? Seriously, God will come and work alongside of you if you are working with him. See, and, and you know, that's, that's that we have to believe what God's word says. He said, and I can't tell you many times I've used Jeremiah 33, 3. 
They said, that's God's phone number. Call on me and I'm going to show you. I said, God, I don't know about this situation. Can you show me? Yes. When I was doing product development, God, I'm, I've got this little issue. Can you show me how to? Yeah, try this. It worked. I mean, I can't take time and time again. God, I say it all the time. He'll make you look really good. He will make you look really good. And, you know, and, and, you know when somebody says, well, what would you do? I said, I just believe Jeremiah 33, 3. Oh, come on, Donna. What would you do with that product? No, I just asked God and he showed me. Right. You just don't want anybody to know. See, but God will make you look really, really good. Psalm 91, 14 and 15 says, I will rescue those who love me. I will protect those who trust in my name. When they call on me, I will answer and I will be with them in trouble. I will rescue and honor them. Why? Because they call on him. But the, the, uh, the prerequisite is they have to love him and they have to trust in his name. We're going to talk about that maybe a couple of weeks. The importance of his name. The importance of his name. Maybe next week. So we are, and I, this is, I sent an email out. These notes are on the um, what a podcast. So, um, you know, get the notes if you want. This, this is a Bible study, okay? Get the notes. This is very important. Probably the most important thing we can all learn to do is pray and pray more. And pray accurately. Pray accurately. See, the Pharisees prayed, but it didn't get very far, did it? You know, the prophets of Baal prayed, jumped around, danced around, and all that. Nothing happened. It's who you pray to, and is your heart right? So there's different types of prayer. In Ephesians 6, 18, it says, Pray passionately in the Spirit as you constantly intercede with what? Every form of prayer. So that's telling me there's more than one type of prayer. Pray the blessings of God upon all believers. So God, we just pray a blessing today upon every person here and those who aren't here. We just pray your healing power. We we pray your protection. We pray your guidance, Father. We just pray that bless. Let your face shine upon your people. Give them peace and favor. That word in the Amplified says, pray at all times on every occasion in every season. That means it doesn't matter what you're going through, you pray. When it's good, you pray. When it's bad, you pray. When you're confused, you pray. When you're questioning, you pray. When you don't know what to do, you pray. And it says, with all manner of prayer and entreaty, to that end, keep alert, watch with strong purpose and perseverance, interceding in behalf of all the saints, God's consecrated people. Do you see God's wanting us to pray for people, especially the believers? Why? It's because there's an enemy out there trying to knock your legs out from under you. And you know what? He knows which buttons to push. He knows which enticements to use for you. He knows every little weakness that you have in your flesh, and he knows how to get to you. Jude 20 says, But you, beloved, building yourself up in your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Spirit. We believe in praying in the Spirit around here, right? Right? You can pray in the Spirit. when You you can pray in the... That's the greatest way to pray, just walking through Walmart if you need the Holy Ghost, just praying in the Spirit. Right? And then the, the Passion says, But you, my delightfully loved friends... Love friends constantly and progressively. See, it's not, it's not just an instant thing. You constantly and progressively build yourself up on the foundation of your most holy faith by praying every moment in the Spirit. Have you learned how to pray quietly in the Spirit? I mean, I, I sit here in church half the time. I'm praying in the Spirit, right? I know you are too. Walking, going through the work and just every life, praying in the Spirit. Sometimes when I'm in a place and I'm not sure and I don't know if I packed or not, I'm praying in the Spirit. <laughs> Except I usually pack, but sometimes I'll leave it in the car. But I'm always packed with the Holy Ghost, right? My husband packs if I don't. 
Right, some of y'all know what that means, and some of you may still think I'm carrying a suitcase. (laughs) It's usually a six-barrel suitcase, right? But there are different circumstances that require different kinds of prayer. And so, you know, there's intercession, there's petition, there's praise, there's supplication, all of these things. But in the Scripture, we find that there's the prayer of agreement. And we'll talk about these more in detail. If any two agree, Jesus said, if any two agree about anything, that means being a perfect symphony. That word actually means symphony, harmony. If any two agree about anything, he says it'll be done. If any two, then there's a prayer of faith in Mark 11. First thing it says is what? Have faith in God. And then you pray to this man. If you don't, if you don't, if you don't doubt in your heart at all, this mountain will be gone out of your life. That's what it says, a prayer of faith. Then there's a prayer of dedication and consecration. Jesus showed us this, and when he was in the garden, God, not my will, but yours be done. And then there's a prayer of petition and binding and loosing, and Jesus talked about that. There's a prayer of praise and worship. So I want to ask you, how important is prayer? How important is prayer to you? Very. Well, you know how we can tell? Look at our calendar. You can tell what's most important to you by looking at your calendar and your checkbook. Those two things will reveal what you spend your time on and your money on will show you what's most important. Right? So let's, maybe y'all can think a minute about that. Let's, let's pause and think about that. Okay. So how important, let me just give you a few quotes. This is from Martin Luther. This is so awesome. To be a Christian without prayer is no more possible than to be alive without breathing. Pretty powerful, isn't it? You can't say I'm alive and you're not breathing. That's one of the ways we know somebody's dead. They're not breathing, right? Okay, this is Mother Teresa. God shapes the world by prayer. The more praying there is in the world, the better the world will be. The mightier the forces against evil. See, the church, I'm, I'm sure churches all over the world today are praying against this coronavirus that it doesn't leave, does, you know, it stops in China. We don't want more people to die. But it also doesn't come across our borders, right? We don't want any illegal aliens coming across our borders, Right? And then E.M. Bounds, who's great, a great minister of prayer, says, Prayer outlives the lives who uttered them. Do you believe that? Yes. See, the prayers you're praying today for your grandchildren, your great-grandchildren, they may not even be here yet. Yes. See, I, I say I want to meet one day, I want to meet the person that was praying for me. Because nobody that I knew of in my family at that time was living for the Lord, and the Lord came to me in two dreams. Somebody had to pray for me. And it may have happened 200, 300 years ago. Yes. may have been a great-great-great-grandma. I don't know, but I'm going to meet... The, one day the Lord's going to show me who prayed for me that made him come to, to me in two dreams, two, a person who was totally lost. And he just shows up in, in the middle of the night. So Hudson Taylor says, It's impossible to move men through God. It is possible to move men through God only by prayer. So that person that you're contending with, pray for them. Pray for them. Pray that God will... will deal with their soul. Pray that God will will uh, bring along that perfect labor. Pray that God will touch the heart of that person to become a believer. A.W. Tozer says, to desire revival at the same time to neglect personal prayer and devotion is to wish one way and walk another. Isn't that true? Oh God, we want want revival. We want revival. We're having prayer. As a matter of fact, we're having prayer February 21st all night, by the way. Oh, I can't do that. I'm too busy. So you don't really want revival if, you, if you're too busy to pray, right? I'll just pray at home. There's something, Dan mentioned it today, having those sticks together. There's something about that coming together, the power of that. And I love this one. I have it in red, John Wesley. God does nothing except in response to believing prayer. Do you believe that? 
God does nothing. You know, and we could go back, I've done, we've done all this teaching here before. God gave you authority over the earth. Do you, do you realize that in Genesis chapter 1 and also Psalm 8? David said, God, what are we that you would even you know, have time for us or think about us, and yet you put your creation underneath our control and dominion? So you and I, God gave to us control over the earth, so God has to have legal right to enter in, not to violate who he is. Somebody say, well, what's the sovereign will of God? He gave his choice. God allowed us to choose. That was his sovereign will. And we have to pray and ask God to intervene in situations. So I want to ask yourself, what if God really does nothing except through prayer? And then ask yourself, if everyone prays like I do, where would we be? Well, if that's honest... I can say, I don't, you know, we just don't pray enough. Or I don't care who we are. We don't pray enough. We just don't pray enough. We need to pray more. Luke 18, 1, it says, Jesus told them a parable to the effect that they ought to always to pray and not to turn coward, faint, lose heart, or give up. Jesus said we should always pray. And what's that saying is when we don't pray, is it because we're coward? That means fearful. Why would we be afraid to pray? coward or we might be faint of heart weak or we might feel hopeless well god's not going to answer he would already answer by now well i know what happened to aunt sally so who am i i mean she was in church every sunday you know i think i mentioned this a couple of times it was on a story that i read on the absolute truth called facebook but i believe it was true <laughs> but it was talking about a, a man whose aunt died and she was always the big deal in the church, the prayer warrior, the intercessor, and all this. And said the Lord said, he was praying to the Lord and said, God, I want to, would you tell Aunt Sally or something, or whatever her name was, hello? And he said, she's not here. And he said, what do you mean she's not here? He said, she never forgave her husband. She never forgave her husband. Now, we'll talk about forgiveness. Forgiveness is critical when it comes to prayer. Forgiveness can rob you of, unforgiveness can rob you of every blessing God has for you. And if we who have been forgiven of so much can't forgive someone else, how can God forgive us? So it pays as we start this process of just the fundamentals of prayer to examine our heart and say, God, show me. I do this all the time. God, show me what's in my heart that I'm not even aware of. Show me seeds of bitterness or unforgiveness that maybe I've, I've just buried them so deep that I'm not even aware they're there any longer. And it's possible. It's so possible. When we don't pray, we're telling God, God, I got this. You know, the Lord spoke to me several years ago, and he said, what don't you have that you would have had had you prayed? What don't you have that you would have had had you prayed? And what won't you have that you won't have if you don't pray? Just fast forward 12 months. Just think of what is it you want in 12 months? Are you praying for it? Are you seeking God for it? Are you asking him, is this your will in my life? Sometimes our will can over, overrun what God's will really is. You know, Thank God he doesn't always say yes to some of our prayers, right? Now this word is very clear. I don't ever have to wonder about healing because God's word says he's the Lord God who heals all my diseases. I don't ever have to worry about that. 
But, you know, sometimes there's some questions on who you should marry or where you should go, where you should work, and these kind of things when God is saying, don't do it, don't do it, don't do it. And you're saying, get behind me, devil. I know that's the devil. And God is warning you, don't do it. And you do it anyway, and there's consequences, right? But God is still there in the consequences, let me tell you. He's still there in the consequences. Why don't people pray? You know, Jesus' disciples had a problem with prayer, and they asked him, God, uh, Jesus, would you tell us how to pray like John taught his disciples? One of the translations says, would you give us a model of prayer like John gave his disciples? And, you know, sometimes we, we think that, oh, well, we couldn't pray because we're not the big evangelist and we're not the big pastor, we're not the big prophet, and, you know, and we, we can't speak eloquently. Do you worry about that with somebody that you're in a relationship with? Oh, I can't speak to him because I can't speak eloquently enough. He just wants to hear me say something, right? And vice versa. doesn't matter how eloquent it is. When's the first time you told your sweetie how much you love them? Was it very eloquent? Or did you stumble it or fall all out of your mouth and sound kind of dumb? Jesus' disciples asked him, Lord, would you teach us how to pray? And the first thing he taught them was how not to pray. How not to pray. Matthew 5, 6 through, 5 through 8. Matthew 6, 5 through 8. And he says, and when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. You must not be. Now, who is a hypocrite? A hypocrite is a pretender. A hypocrite is one who professes something publicly, but it's not really what they possess or believe. It's someone who'll say one thing and do something else. So, so we have to be careful in, our, in this day and, and culture that we live in because there's a lot of people that say, I'm a believer, or they'll say, oh, he's a devoted believer, or she's a devoted believer, but they're not living the life. Read my Facebook post if you want to get more information on that. You know, so it's easy for somebody to say, but see, the problem is, and I said this a moment ago, in our culture, so many of the young kids don't know what it really means to live a life pleasing to God because they haven't been taught. They've been taught anything's okay. If everybody's doing it, it's okay. God's okay. If you've got more good than bad, you're going you're to get in. That's not what the Word says. Well, I don't know why God's not blessing me. Well, we're living like the world. You can't live like the world and expect the blessings of God. That's what the Word says. Not, that's not my opinion. I wish, it, I wish it was. I could change it. But it's not, it's not the Word of God. And we have to, if we, want, if we want God's blessings, we have to live God's way. Thank you, Wayne. He says, and when you pray, don't be like the hypocrites. And then he says, they love to stand and pray in the synagogues at the street corners that they can be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they've received their reward. You know, they just, oh, I'll just, um, and some of these are very gifted in their prayer, in their prayer time and their prayer ability. They can pray eloquent prayers, but it's going as far as the ceiling, right? And then he says, and when you pray, do not heap up empty phrases as the Gentiles do, for they think they will be heard for their many words. Don't be like them. See, it's not the amount of words, it's, it's the sincerity that's coming from your heart. The day I knelt at the altar, the last Sunday of May, 1979, this is what I said, God, I need you. That's all I said. I didn't go through any prayer, the sinner's prayer. I just said, God, I need That's all I knew to say, nothing eloquent. And when I stood up, I knew it was different because God met me there. He's not looking for eloquence. He's looking for sincerity. That's what he's looking for is sincerity. Don't use vain repetition and chants and, and all these formulas. We don't need all those things, right? God's not a formula God. He's not a chant God. He just wants our heart. 
But Jesus then told them how to pray. And this is kind of where we're going to be jumping off in the next few weeks. He said, this is the way you're to pray. Pray like this or pray in this manner. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts or our sins as we forgive those who sin against us. Right? And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Amen. Now this is the New King James because not all the translations put that last phrase in there. And I think it, I like it in there. I just like it in there. So Jesus gave his, I'm going to tell you, we're going to unpack this prayer over the next few weeks. We're going to, I've done this years ago, but we're going to, it's time to get back to the basics of prayer, right? And prayer should be a very simple thing. It's not a very complex thing. So we're going to be unpacking this in the next few weeks. But let me just give you a sneak preview. This is Jesus' model of prayer. Number one, a recognition of the Father, which indicates relationship. We've got to have relationship. It indicates intimacy. What did I read in Psalm 91? Those who dwell in the secret place of the Most High. That place of intimacy is the place where God's presence dwells. He says, he says, recognition of the Father. That means I have relationship with God. He is my Father. He's my Daddy. I know Him and He knows me. I call on His name. I know His name and He knows my name. And it's, it's an intimate relationship, not a faraway idol that one has to beg to hear and respond. Number two, recognition of the character of God. He says, our Father who art in heaven, hallowed is your name. Holy is your name. Holy is your name. It's very important that we understand the names of God because that's how he wants us to understand his character. So when he says, I am Jehovah Rapha, that means I'm the Lord who heals. When he says, I'm Jehovah Jireh, I'm the God who provides. When he says, I'm Jehovah Shalom, I'm the God of peace. Jehovah Shammah, I'm the God who never leaves you. I'm always present. And on and on and on. There's a whole list of names. And I'll give you, those, I'll give you some handouts for those. So when, you're ha- when you have a certain need, like I said in Psalm 91, those who know me call on me because, they, I, okay, God, I need healing. I'm calling on you as Jehovah Rapha. See, you have to know how to pray. And your word clearly says that you're the Lord God who heals my diseases. Your word says you sent your word and you brought healing. Your word says in Isaiah and also in Peter, the stripes on Jesus' back, we were healed and whole. Right? So we call upon that name because that's who he wants us to know him as. And so then, then so we have that part. Then, we have the, then he says, your kingdom come, your will be done. If you look in that in, in the verbal tense, it's, it's the imperative. It's a command tense. He says, you command the kingdom of God to come. Let your kingdom come and your will be done on earth just like it's done in heaven. So see, there's no poverty in heaven. So it's not the kingdom of God brings wealth and, and, and riches and blessing and success and prosperity, right? There's no sickness in heaven. There's no, there's no unrest. In, there's no confusion in heaven. That's the devil, right? The devil, you've got to kick him out of your kingdom. God, let your kingdom come in my life. Let your kingdom come in my marriage. Let your kingdom come in my business of success and prosperity. So we make those declarations. And then he says, you, you specifically, he said, ask for daily bread. And that's, he's, and that's interesting. He said, give me this day my daily bread, my basic daily needs. 
See, we don't, we're not a, he's not a ditto God. Okay, God, I prayed last, you know what I want. You know what I, same thing yesterday. Same thing I prayed last year. No, every day we're looking to God because we're dependent upon him as our, as our daily provider. He said, give us this day our daily bread. And then he talks about forgiving our sins as we forgive others. It's not a bargaining with God, but an understanding of the forgiveness of God and the change in the heart it gives to want to forgive others. See, when we truly have understood the, the forgiveness of God, then we can truly have a heart to forgive others. Right? I can't forgive others if, I don't, if I'm not aware that God has forgiven me. But let me tell you, the Bible says if I don't forgive, God's not going to forgive me. So if God doesn't forgive me, then he's not going to hear me. And if he doesn't hear me, then I'm not going to have what I ask. Right? So don't come into church with a bunch of junk in your heart about somebody. You're wasting your time. I'd say stay home, get it right, then come to church. Actually, that's what he said. He said, don't come and bring your gift to the altar if you've got unforgiveness in your heart or your brother has something against you. He said, you go back and make it right first. Then you bring your gift to the altar, right? And then at the end is recognition of glory of God. Your king, your, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory. So what we'll see is we have little bookends. We have little bookends. We start with prayer. We start with praise and adoration. We start with praise and adoration. <coughs> okay. <laughs> he was still praying. <laughs> Pray at all times in every season. All kinds of prayer, right? <laughs> okay. So, I, you know, that's what I thought. It was like little bookends. You, get, you start out with praise, you, then you have your declarations, and then you end up with praise. Isn't that simple? And what we do is we declare, we, our declarations are based on the word of God. So praise is our book. And sandwiched between the bookends of, of praise are the declarations. So we start out praising God for who he is. We declare what, what it is that God's word says we can have. And then we praise him for his power and authority to bring that into our life. It's very, very simple, isn't it? Very simple. So prayer should not be something that is that is uh, laborious or it shouldn't be something that's, that's uh, a, a, you know, a tough or difficult for us to do. Just if you do nothing else and you think, okay, I'm going to start out with prayer. Uh, let's just say you want to pray 30 minutes a day. And there's nothing wrong with setting a discipline, let me tell you. Don't get into all this legalistic stuff and don't let the devil tell you you're being legalistic. There's a thing called spiritual discipline. And Jesus set himself aside a time every day to pray. So there's nothing, when we do this with everything else in our life, why are we afraid to do it with prayer? Right? So, okay, let's just say, I want to start praying 30 minutes a day. Okay, what do I do? I spend 10 minutes in praise and adoration. Then I spend 10 minutes in declaring. And then I spend 10 minutes wrapping it up with praise and adoration. Do you see how quickly time can go by? And we don't want to make it a legalistic thing. It's not. It's, it's just, you know, it's just, I mean, I know sometimes when... Um, we spent a few days away this week, and it was like no more got there than it was time to come home. It was just we just enjoyed just doing nothing, right? Just just being with each other and that kind of thing. And and so that's the way it should be with God. And I can remember the first thing the Lord told me to do when I got born again was to pray. First thing, and I'd get up every morning at five and pray, and it was just like that quick the time would go by, and I'd think, oh God, I gotta get ready to go to work. And see, that's what it should be because it's really a love affair with God. And, and you know, how many of us say we want relationship with God? How many want relationship with God? It's not going to come outside of prayer. Prayer is your relationship builder. 
Coming to church is not going to help you build a relationship with God. If you have a relationship with God, you're going to come to church, right? But prayer is so, so critically important. And so I want you just to, just to take a moment now, and I want you to think of something that you need in your life for God to move in your life. Just think about it. Just jot down one or two things if you have a pencil and paper. What are just a couple of things that you need for God to do in your life? Think about it. If you can't think of anything, I can give you about 40. So you think about it, because then so let's let's just think. Then okay, we're going to start out by praising God for having the ability and for who He is to be able to meet that need. So let's stand a minute. We're going to just going to go through this exercise, and I want you to. We're just going to take a minute or two, but I, I want you to expand it out. Decide how long you want to pray. If you want to just start out with fifteen minutes, five praise, five declaration, five. You're going to find very quickly that you're going to go extend your prayer time. So let, let's just say that let's just say that maybe somebody had a, a financial need. Financial need. So we 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 begin to praise God. God, I thank you that you are Jehovah Jireh. I thank you, Father God. Lord, holy is your name in heaven because your your word declares that you are Jehovah Jireh to my life, Father, and I thank you for that. God, you deserve glory and honor and praise in all that we say and do. And God, we just give you praise. And we glorify you for who you are. We glorify, we recognize your name in Scripture. We recognize what the Word of God says. We know you're not a man that you can lie, Lord. We know that your Word is forever exalted in the heavens. And we declare that word, Father. So we declare that word in Jesus' name. And God, we declare that the needs are met. You said you would supply all of our need according to your riches and glory. That is your word. And God, we declare that over this situation. And God, we rebuke the devourer off of our lives. You said if we give, you'd give back to us. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over. And you would rebuke, rebuke the devourer from our life. So, so God, we declare your word over this situation. And Lord, we again just thank you because you have all authority and all power. The enemy has no authority. And your word is authority. So God, we have, we have you to go to because you, we, God, we just honor you for your glory and your power and your presence in our life. So you see how simple that was in just a couple of minutes? Now just, you know, if you've got 15 things, it's going to take a minute, right? But that's okay. That's okay. But spend time in just, just developing that prayer life and, and, you know, we, we don't want anybody to say that impact that the average prayer time for people at impact is one minute or four minutes. Right? And some people say, well, I just pray in my car. Well, if the only time I talked to my husband was in my car, our relationship would be, right? <laughs> It'd be in the car. That's right. It would be in the car. So, uh, and, you know, the other thing is we seek out each other to talk. Do we seek out God to talk? I don't give him leftover time. I make time and then everything else. You see, so it's very important. You think about what you would do for the person that's the dearest to you. You would do double that for God, right? Or ten times that for God. So, Lord, we just thank you. So I want you to spend time this week just thinking about this little, these little bookends of prayer. And if you're struggling in your prayer life, just simp- this is a simple little process to start building that time with God. And you're going to find that things are going to begin to change in your life. Keep a prayer journal. Keep a prayer journal so you can go back and say, oh, golly, I saw on October 12th, 19, 
99 that you met this need. And you know what? I've got the same need today, and I know you'll do it again, right? I know you're going to do it again. Next week, unless the Lord changes my mind, we're going to talk about the requirement of intimacy for prayer.